Okay, wonderful. I am so excited today because we are talking to such a sweet and supportive feminist fertility coach, and her name is Nicola Salmon. So welcome, Nicola. It's so good to see you. Thank you so much for having me, Casey. I'm so excited to be here. Ah, uh, that's awesome. And Nicola is from the UK. Where exactly in the UK are you? So just outside London. So oh. yeah, about half an hour on the train into London, so not too far at all. That's awesome. So you and I first met last year in a group coaching program. I knew right off the bat that we were going to absolutely click, which we did. And uh, for my listeners, Nicola is such a sweet and supportive person, and you're going to see that. So it's you are in for such a treat. Um, if you could maybe start off, because I would love to hear a little bit about what you do and who you help. Yes. Yeah, so I am a fertility coach. Um, my training is in I started out as an acupuncturist and a naturopath, so that's kind of where my basis was. Um, and now I'm really focusing on helping women all over the world in a really kind of body positive and um, equal way. So trying to make sure that everybody who needs support, no matter where they are in the world, no matter what their circumstances, their size, their, you know, their gender, their race, um, everybody gets the support that they need to make the family that they want. That is awesome. I love that. So even though you are in the UK, um, mm -hmm. you can help people all over. Do you do that virtually kind of in a similar platform like this? Yes. So I work with women all over the world. Um, obviously I can't do acupuncture with them, but I've created so many different tools and techniques and things that I use with all my different clients to help awesome. them kind of emotionally and just support them because it's such a struggle on this journey that getting that support is so important. Absolutely. Do you see clients in person as well or do you mainly work um, virtually? So I see clients in person as well, yet yeah, in my local area um, in the UK. But yeah, I love to see them all over the world because we've all got different problems. We've all got different, you know, environments and issues and, you know, support is so important for everybody. So yeah. Absolutely. And I know you're so passionate about this. That's one thing that I absolutely adore about you is that you live it, you feel it. Like I know that you have a story behind it. So could you share a little bit about um, how you were brought to this work and also a little bit about like, I think you were specializing more in acupuncture is that true? And then you kind of started shifting yeah. and molding and kind of narrowing your niche. Could you talk a little bit about all of that for us? Of course. So my kind of journey started when I was 16. So when I was 16, I was diagnosed with something called polycystic ovary syndrome, which is like a hormonal condition. Um, and I didn't have regular periods. I didn't have um, a regular cycle at all my hormones were all kind of all messed up and the doctor basically told me that I wouldn't be able to have kids mm. um at 16 which was you know not really what I want to hear no <laughs> at 16 it's really hard to process because you're not in a place where you want to have children so you just kind of like okay they put me on the pill got on with life so my kind of fertility journey was almost the reverse because I expected things to be really difficult for me mm. um, when I was ready to start my family um, and then I just got on with life. So then I started, um, I went to university, I trained in a profession, started work. And it wasn't until I was in my job, I was living in a rather rough area of South London and a guy got shot outside my flat. As oh, as wow. Thing. Um, and I kind of saw all this outside my window and it really affected me uh, mentally. 
So I tried counselling antidepressants, but nothing really helped. I struggled to go to work. I had nightmares, really difficult to leave the house. Wow. Um, and it wasn't until I tried acupuncture, I'd never had it before in my life, didn't really know what it was about, um, that things started to really shift for me. So after about six sessions, I was able to leave the house again. I was able wow. to get a job um, and really move forward with my life. So that's kind of where my natural medicine journey took me. And then when I started getting ready to go, like, I met my husband, we decided we wanted to start a family. That's when, um, luckily, all the stuff that I'd been doing, kind of like training as an acupuncturist, training mm. as a naturopath, really came into play because actually it was really easy for us to have children. I was expecting it to be really difficult, but it was really easy. Wow. And that's what really got me thinking about, you know, like, why is it so easy for me? You know, I'm an obese woman. I'm still suffering from this hormonal condition. Why was it so simple when for everybody else it was so difficult? Wow. Um, that's kind of where I kind of went into the fertility aspect and started working with women um, trying to get pregnant. And then at the beginning of this year, so 2018, that's when I really started to think about my niche. So like, who did I really want to serve? You know, who did I really want to help? Who did I understand the most? And as a fat woman, that made me think, you know, like, I know these struggles so well, you know, being in a body that you hate, blaming your body for everything that goes wrong. And especially when you want to have a baby, that self-hatred kind of intensifies and you feel like it's all your fault because you can't get pregnant. If you could just lose weight, it would be simple. Um, and that just kind of accumulates the problem and makes you really detest yourself and hate life. And, you know, it just becomes all consuming. So wow. when I had that realization of, you know, who I can really help, that's when, you know, my business became exciting again and I really knew what I was here to do and who I was going to help. That is absolutely incredible. You said so many good things. I resonate <laughs> um, more than you know. I also have PCOS and have been overweight my whole life. So I know the struggles that you're talking about. And it when when you get that kind of sentence, you know, I think in any diagnosis, but I think when it's tied into your um, femininity, it definitely can dig at you for sure. Um, and it's really an interesting way that we have to unravel that story because we, as I'm sure you know, become so identified with the label. And there's so much emotion there. So, I mean, I, I can't even, your story is so awesome and intense. And I think that that's how we um, can serve so much better because it's authentic and you've been through it. And even it, it's fresh. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think that when you do have um, body image stuff or layers, it's not something that it's like one and done. It's something that you kind of just, it's like something you carry with you, like physically, emotionally, psychically, you're carrying that with you. And what you bring to women to unwrap that is such a gift. I think it's unbelievable. I would love it if you could share a little bit about how much of your process is emotional because it is usually kind of deep rooted or based on maybe past and obviously society, you know, and what they deem is normal. And like you said, the, the main diagnosis is take a pill. This is your life sentence and, you know, go on your merry way. So I think when they come to you, it must be like this 
relief in a way, but it, there's also a lot of deep work involved. So could you share a little bit about how much is emotional work when you're trying to help women and their fertility issues? So I would say a hundred percent is emotional work. Like these women come to me with like, they think it's a diet problem. They think they're not moving their body enough. They think that it's all these, you know, all the hormones are out of balance, but when you really dig down to the root of it, it's all emotion. You know, the foods you choose to eat, majority of them are based on how you're feeling. It's the way you choose to move your body. So much of your relationship with exercise is around how you experienced it as a child, what emotions that you attach to it. And, you know, like most people, especially overweight people think they can't exercise because people will laugh at them or they won't be able to do things and they'll feel embarrassed or they'll look stupid. So it's, so much of it is involved with emotion that it's really yeah and people have no idea that's what it is but it's you know everything is linked to how they're feeling and as soon as you start to unravel that um and help them to understand what's going on and to process those emotions and their feelings then things shift easily you know like you make better choices naturally for yourself and for your body and absolutely you your body because you love it more and you appreciate it more and it becomes really simple so a couple things i know that in your bio you talk about being a gentle warrior and i think that that is such an interesting combination and you need that and i'm not surprised being that you have an acupuncture background with the yin and the yang and the, the masculine and the feminine and the gentle and the warrior because just those two descriptives of yourself um they say so much because you do have to be gentle because there's a lot of delicacy and there's a lot of, you know, fragility in our self-worth that's tied up in these emotions. But then you also kind of have to be a warrior in a way and just kind of be like, okay, you've got this. And I know you do so much with women empowerment and, and that is kind of a warrior situation because, mm. you know, allowing people the permission to kind of come into their own and trust themselves and their intuition um, I love that. I love that kind of combination. And also the other thing I wanted to mention is, um, I think it's incredible that you had such a turnaround with acupuncture for your own personal anxiety for that trauma that you had at, at a young age. And I'm wondering, um, do you find like in six, in six treatments, that was pretty incredible that you found that in your way. Absolutely. And so do you find when women come to you, um, a lot of times it's maybe after they've tried multiple things, all the conventional routes before they kind of give credibility. I think it's changing. I think our climate's changing where the alternative or the complementary is now becoming much more respected because the results are there and the evidence are there. But I'm wondering, because in the large aspect of things where it's like have a headache, take an Advil, and it's a very instant result. Do you find that with women where they're looking for just how many treatments will I be fixed? Like, when can you cure me? Like, is it five? Is it three? Do you find that? And how do you deal with that? Definitely. So because in our society, that's how we're almost trained to think that medicine works. So if something wrong with you, you take a pill, you're fixed. But the reality is that the symptoms aren't there to be fixed. Like mm. your body is giving you information when you have a symptom. So, you know, if you've got a funny tummy or you've got a headache, you know, there's something else going on. It's not just, you know, a pill that you need to fix that. It's getting to the root cause. So always explaining to women, you know, that there's these symptoms are there for a reason and we want to really figure out why they're there. Um, 
and sure some people come and they can get pregnant in a month after having acupuncture which is amazing it's amazing um, but it's fertility is such a complex and whole body issue that it's not always as simple as just like fixing one thing and it will be fixed and the, the good thing about having acupuncture as well is that because it's a whole body treatment it kind of the side effects of it are like fixes other things as well so it can help you with your sleep or your mood or your digestion or but it's really making sure that women understand that this is like really beneficial for everything and it's not just a quick fix because I think that's so powerful yeah taking control of your own health and your own well-being in taking that responsibility is a lot is a life's journey it's not something that you can just move on from and go to the next thing so absolutely and i think the holistic tools that you provide them and that i know that you have a safe container for them to really be vulnerable and to not be judged and that is priceless like that can't be um kind of taught in the book or anything like that and i think that you know, the conventional way where you're like, you're poked and you're prodded and there's Petri dishes and there's all these things. You become this kind of like lab experiment and it really, I would feel that it would deteriorate your self-worth, you know, and, and you really, I would think that it would take some time to get over feeling what's wrong with me, you know, and I'm not a woman enough or, you know, cause we're really ingrained that as women, if we don't have children or we're not childbearing, that something is wrong with us. Um, I mean, my karmic destiny, I don't have kids. And it's just the way that it kind of worked out. I have seven beautiful nieces and nephews, so I definitely get my baby love. But it's so interesting that because, you know, at 46 right now, when I meet people, and this has been the case probably for 20 years, um, and it's not so much men, but it's really women. It's this kind of society pressure. And it'll be one of the first questions. It's like, hi, how are you? What do you do? Do you have kids? It's always like question three. And, you know, the first one's like, oh, this is what I do. And this is, you know, who I am. The, do you have kids? No. Oh, you know, it's like, Something it's like this immediate you, yeah. thing. And you can see the wheels turning of like, what's wrong with her? Oh, that's interesting. You know, like all these different kind of like mental gyrations you can feel. And even processing through that is a really unique situation. I have to be like, I'm okay. <laughs> like, it's okay. You know? It's crazy that because like you said, like as soon as women, like, it's almost like they're kind of testing each other out and seeing kind of where they are on this like fulfillment scale. And in our societies, like being a mother is like your only role as a woman is like to be bear the children of the men. And thank God we've moved on so much from that, but there is still a really ingrained part of our society that doesn't know what to do with women who don't want to have children and men who, you know, who maybe haven't been able to have children, haven't met their right partner or can't have children. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really got to change because these women it just makes them feel you know if you can't have children and you want children you know they almost have to find a whole new identity because they're not going to be that mother in the way that they thought and they hoped they were going to be and they have to deal with these questions every day and they're going to have to keep dealing with them and that's just a reminder every time someone asks them that they haven't got what they wanted so they have to really you know like figure out where they sit in the world and it's 
you know, it shouldn't be like that because it's not the same for men. And it's, mm. you know, we need to find an equal footing on that as to, you know, it's okay for women to not want to have children. It doesn't make them a bad person or like a sociopath or anything like that. Absolutely. And you can still be feminine and a caregiver. That's our natural innate role, you know, and yeah. even though we're kind of breaking roles, you know, and, and, and trying to be out of the box. But I think, you know, in general, it is kind of our natural tendency to mm-hmm. caregive. What do you find is kind of one of the most common problems of the people that come to you looking for help? And like, how do you help them kind of get from where they were when they came to you to after seeing you and kind of embracing this holistic lifestyle? So a lot of the women that come and see me now um, are overweight. Mm-hmm. Generally have PCOS because that really seems to be getting more and more recognized and um, kind of as a big problem in the West. And mm-hmm. what they're really struggling with is this balance of like, society tells me that I have to look slim and I have to be this healthy body image. Um, And I've been trying to obtain that my whole life and I've still not got there. But on the other hand, I want to have a baby. And again, I need to be healthy and I need to know that I'm really healthy. But again, on the other hand, you know, like I have been trying to lose weight my whole entire life. It hasn't happened now. Mm. I'm struggling still with this, even though you know, the end result now is having a baby, you know, like I must be a horrible person, mm. but I can't even lose 10 pounds just to have, you know, to have what I want most in the world. Mm. And women go into trying to have a baby feeling like they're already horrible mothers because they can't do this really simple thing of look, trying to lose weight. Um, mm. So it's a whole host of things we've got to unravel and they are restricting their eating so much so that, you know, it's, doing more damage than it's doing good to lose this weight you know they're punishing themselves with exercise and it's just not a sustainable place that they're in you know they're depressed because they um are just not living a healthy life for them they are just Mm. constantly restricting and punishing themselves so it's it's so counterintuitive you know the restriction and the can you know it just everything shuts down and I would think that fertility, like I always look at it like maybe a blooming lotus, like it's open and it's ready to receive. And I think the the punishment and the self-sabotage and restriction is is almost the opposite. You know, I mean, it is the opposite. It's, it's very much going in a different direction. So it is so counterintuitive. Do you find that women fight you when you try to let them kind of like release that? Because we're so used to, if I let go then it'll really fall apart or then I'm going to really blow up and it'll just, you know, go in the wrong direction. Like I'm sure it takes a lot of compassion, but also a lot of skill to give them permission to let go a little bit of the restriction. The women are so worried that if they start to kind of stop counting the calories or they don't go to the gym five times a day, that they, their weight is just going to go out of control, that they're going to end up, you know, the size of a house and they, uh, you know they're so worried that it basically comes down to trust like they do not trust mm. themselves to to eat good food for them and to you know move in a way that feels good they've just completely lost that connection with you know being in touch with themselves and figuring out what they need so it really is going back to basics and relearning you know like how to listen to the cues of your body and figure out what you need and it being okay if it's a chocolate brownie that makes you feel better at this point yeah you need to eat the whole tray of chocolate brownies you know it's really coming to us 
a stage of acceptance and mm. and really learning again how to trust ourselves which is you know a, a completely crucial skill for life you're teaching women such important tools i mean self expect you know acceptance and permission i think to release perfection it is something that serves in the fertility um, arena, but it also serves them, like you said, for life. I mean, these are life skills that once women in general just start to kind of tune into their body wisdom and into their intuition, that serves them for anything, for business negotiation, for child, you know, birth, for, I mean, like for really for anything, for relationships in general, for their own relationship with themselves. It's, it's really, it's very incredible. I think it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, as you know, I'm so passionate about business without burnout. And I know that you um, definitely resonate. This is, you know, your holistic aspect, your therapies and everything that you do. What do you do personally to kind of prevent um, burnout for yourself? Because even though this is a very um, kind of caregiving, all-encompassing mind, body, spirit practice, business isn't easy. So what do you do to kind of navigate for yourself the, the business roller coaster of being a solopreneur? So I really try and keep it simple. I try and do little things every day that I know I can achieve, that I, um, that I know isn't going to make me, you know, terrified and run away. And I just try and keep things really small and just take baby steps so I have like a habit tracker where I, you know, like try and make sure I do meditation every day and move my body every day. Just really tiny little things that I know I can do. Awesome. And then kind of business stuff. I try and really break it down into tiny, tiny steps so I don't feel overwhelmed. And I don't like have like one thing. I used to do this all the time where I'd have a really important thing that I wanted to get done on my to-do list. But it was so big that I couldn't see how to overcome it. So it would stay on my to-do list every single day and I would just never get around to it. So then I started trying to break things down into just really easy 15-minute chunks. Mm, and smart. Try and not to put too much on my to-do list every day. And that seems to help a lot because I feel like I've achieved something at the end of the day and I don't feel like, oh, I've done loads of stuff, but my to-do list is still like a mile long. <laughs> I love it. That is such great advice. I mean, I think that that is such an effective tool. And again, it, it dovetails into your philosophy of um, kind of releasing the grip hold on perfection and what we should be doing, you know, kind of like we should be doing this or we should be doing that. And it, it is just such a wonderful philosophy that um, as long as we continue to take those consistent action steps that you will achieve something. And then also that kind of self-gratitude of like, yes, you got something done. I know for myself, I'm a huge list person. So checking something off, it makes you feel good. And I think it propels momentum to want to go and chunk more off. Otherwise, like you said, I can totally relate. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners can. If you have something so monumental, um, it can stay on your to-do list. Sometimes you get sick of writing it. It's just like, here it is again. Groundhog Day, here it is again. So I love that philosophy. I think that's awesome, awesome advice. So I know that you're an author, you're a speaker, you're on different podcasts, you've written the journal. Uh, what are you working on now? So I'm actually writing my first kind of proper book. So my journal I put together, which is like, um, more like a diary that you fill in. Um, so I'm in the middle of writing my first real book um, called wow. Fat to Fertile. So it's taking all the things I've learned about helping fat women get pregnant 
um, and looking really at the emotional aspects of it and just putting it into a book so that anybody can help themselves to that information and just really get themselves out of that rut of kind of that constant Good for you. That's amazing. I think that is such a huge endeavor. I'm sure it's an emotional process for you as well because you're putting everything out there. I mean, I know that you're someone that's so dedicated to the work and you really care about the information. So I'm sure that this is a passion project for you. That's so cool. When do you think, um, like what stage of the writing are you in? Like, when are you hoping? Do you, or do you not put kind of like deadlines on? Do you just free flow and, and when it's born, it's born. Like, how do you work that with such a big project like a book? So at the moment I'm doing it again in baby steps. So I've broken it down. I'm doing a 25 minute chunk every day if I can. And also if I can't, that's okay too. But I'm trying to keep consistent with just writing 25 minutes a day, whatever I get done is great. If it's crap, it's fine. Um, and then I'm about halfway through now. So I'm about 15,000 words and I'm kind of <sighs> for about 30,000 words. Because that's amazing. Books are. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. I'm so excited. I cannot wait to read it. You are a true inspiration. I love the work that you're doing in the world. Um, it, it, it truly is like a lighthouse because it's such a needed thing. And I, mm-hmm. I'm sure that, um, you're going to be obviously touching women as you already are in big ways that changes their lives. Um, how can people get a hold of you? So my website is, uh, nicholasalmon.co.uk and, and I'm on Instagram as well at fertility freedom. Cool. I love it. I think it's awesome. So can you leave us with some bright light sharing like a little bit of wisdom for our listeners as kind of a parting note? Yeah. So my real motivator at the moment is something that I kind of, my mantra that I use a lot at the moment is um, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Hmm. So really looking at how I want to show up in the world. That's awesome. And you kind of display that with how you um, kind of approach work and approach your personal life and approach the holistic lifestyle of things. So I love that because I am so um, connected to people who are kind of walking their talk. And you, my friend, are definitely someone that has experience that you bring to the table and you walk your talk. And we are just really blessed that you're here. So thank you so, so much for taking time out and for sharing your story. I can't wait for people to connect with you at um, the Instagram Fertility Coach. Fertility Fertility Freedom. So Instagram at Fertility Freedom, but I will also link up to her website so you can learn more and connect with Nicola. Thank you again so much. Thank you, Casey.